I'm Jay Cornell. I'm a comedian in New York City, and for the past 10 years, I've been living and breathing the restaurant industry. This is a show where I'll be talking to comedians, actors, bartenders, chefs, and restaurant owners about all things going out. We'll talk about restaurants, bars, staying in, drinking, not drinking, and whatever else we want. This is Going Out with Jake Cornell. Isn't this such a gorgeous photo? Oh my God. Just incredible. That's beverage heaven. Yeah, I'm looking at, so Katie really came through. I'm looking at a Sanzo Pomelo, the new flavor from Sanzo, and then the Howl's Cola, which is my all-time favorite non-fruit sparkling beverage. That was so convoluted. Well, it's like I was I was about to say all-time favorite beverage, but it's like that's not true. Like I don't I can't it's just It's not like, a calamansi. Well, it's but it's like it's like they're not even they don't scratch the same itch. Yeah, that's true. For me, what was okay, the the like here's what was so amazing with the house cola. Like I this was across the street and I went in because I was feeling a little sleepy and I was like, let me get a let me get a diet coke mm-hmm. to get this going for the podcast. And then I saw the house cola and I was like it's caffeinated. Wait, is it? Yeah. I thought it was just flavored. <gasps> have you had it? I've never tried it. <gasps> wait, Can I try a, it? Oh my God. Oh my God. Wait, this is so exciting. Do you fuck with Coke? The soda? <laughs> Thank you for specifying. Um, I I like Diet Coke. Okay. I'm No judgment if you don't like this. No, I fuck with that. That's good. Have another sip. It's so good. I'm sorry. It's so good. It's really good. Because you know what it is? It's like... It doesn't do that like thing that I don't like about oh. regular Coke that like sticks to your teeth a it little bit. It doesn't have the corn syrupiness. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm like, this shit is the nectar of the fucking Yeah. Gods. The fact that there's actual caffeine in it changes the game. I didn't realize that. That shit slaps. I'm telling you. But it is, it is, I get DMs. People are like, where is the house cola? It is the hardest beverage to find. Okay. Well, at least we have this like the grocery store in near close my house, proximity. The grocery store near my house had it for one week. It's gone. I'm like, what's going on, guys? Maybe this is the time where you have to just start buying on in bulk, sending to your house. I might actually reach out to House directly and be like, one, let me partner on this 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 product. Like, let me be the face of House Cola. Like, I will. You'd be an amazing face of House Cola. I mean, I'm already am like not like and just doing it for free unofficially. But also, like, <laughs> let's really talk about your distribution because like. Where is it going? Is there someone who loves it more than me that's buying it all up? Like, it's hard. People will be like, where do you find the house cola? And I'll be like, here's where I found it, but no promises it's, it's there when you get there. I'm like really impressed with you that you're even sharing that information. Because like, if it were me, I'd be like, well, don't fucking go there. It's my well, sure. stash. <laughs> yeah, I wish that there was. Actually, no, I'm not even gonna say that. I said that on the Alyssa Lynn Paris episode that I wish there was also a non-caffeinated version. But at this point in my life, I'm actually just like, no, I actually fuck with the caffeinated version. The caffeinated version is good. Yeah. We want the caffeine usually when we're having this flavor. Because like when you think of soda flavor, you think of like you're doing it for the caffeine a little bit. A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like are you someone that ever drinks decaf coffee? Um, No, never. Because that is really inca- counterintuitive to me. The only time I will is um, I, I think I would do a decaf if not even really the only time I would entertain drinking a decaf would be if I like really want to drink a coffee after like a big meal at a restaurant to settle my stomach. Like, do you know how you kind of want to like, like in a little espresso moment, Yeah, but like I'm planning to go to bed, I guess that would be, but even still, I feel like I'm normally like there's been wine. There's like probably, you know what I mean? Like it's going to counteract a little aperitif maybe instead. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think the people that confuse me maybe more than anyone on this earth are people that, that do the half calf. I'm like, just (sighs) commit. They want the best of both worlds. They want to not feel the guilt of drinking a caffeinated beverage 
Also, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but my friend is a doctor and he told me that they've like tried to do research about if caffe- like caffeine addiction is bad for you and they like can't prove that it is. Yeah, I mean, I think it's for me, the only reason why it's not great for me is it's like suddenly my heart is beating so fucking fast and I'm like, I'm anxious now. Well, that is valid. I don't have that <laughs> response to it. Yeah. I can go pretty high. Penny just started licking my hand. Hi. Um, I don't get the anxiety attacks from it. People who, I feel like that's when people start drinking. They're like, oh, it gives me anxiety. I'm like, sure. Yeah. I don't know. I go through phases with coffee. I've been in a huge tea phase recently. I go through iced tea phases. Ooh, iced tea. But that's also just because I'm a cold, I'm more cold beverage over hot beverage in general, but I fuck up in iced tea. Okay. So I think that like I have a bad relationship with iced tea as someone that grew up in the, the South. South. Yeah. Because I, when I think of iced tea, I think of like the sweetest fucking- no, I'm talking about black, unsweetened black iced tea. Right. But like I, I, to me that that's like, that doesn't even exist. No, totally. I think of like bow time. It's bow time right now. It's bow jingles time. Oh, And sure. you're going to the drive-through and your mom is getting the big, big, big size of I, the tea. Add a little bit of lemonade in there maybe if you're feeling, you know, a little bit excited that morning. But I would have a sip of that and it would be like an immediate headache. I mean, and that's more so like you're, you think like Coca-Cola is like thick texturally. It's like oh, that is, shit like, is syrup. Thick. No, 100%. No, but if you go to like a Brooklyn coffee shop and ask for, they usually have like an, an herbal and a black iced tea. And if like they have like a, an iced like peach tea or like an iced green tea. Oh, so good. That actually sounds good. I feel like an iced green tea with a little lemonade actually could be really Incredible. Good. No, I'm, because the thing is when I'm walking around in the summer, which is like all I do because I like to be walking around outside. Your summer boy. Summer boy. And I always wanted to be drinking, want to be drinking an iced beverage. Like I just want a beverage at all times. And sometimes that's a seltzer. Sometimes that's an iced coffee. But I, I, I don't necessarily get panic attacks. Like after a few cold brews, you're like, I can't drink another cold brew. Iced tea is the perfect move, especially like a non-caffeinated, like a decaf iced tea. Boom. You're selling me. Next time I Next go, time I'm going to get like, an iced. Oh, I love it. I fuck up an iced tea. Do you know um, Everyman Espresso in the East Village? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's like my everyday, like I go there pretty much every morning on the way to work. I don't go there often because I'm not in the East Village, but every night I do, the people who work there, I'm like, you guys are good energy. I, I fucking love them. The people who work at every, is it every man? Mm-hmm. The blue one on 13th? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, The people there are always so great. They're really great. They're so, they're super nice. The owner of the place has like cool tattoos on his fingers. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. And he and Penny Lane have like a full on love affair. Like it Stop. is the cutest thing. And they keep, they keep treats behind the counter there. So like you I can, it's the best. Yeah. Cause in a earlier version of my New York life, I had friends who bartended at. I thought you were I had friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, they bar, my friend bartended at Linen Hall. Uh huh. So I would go to Linen Hall all, all the, time. the time. And so every man was a part of my life because if I was like getting a coffee before or something, I would go there. Okay. That is really interesting that you went there because my experience with people that go to Linden Hall is that they're all like former frat boys. Yeah. I mean, it feels so when I worked at the restaurant, I don't name that at this point, I think I have accidentally named it on the podcast, but hmm, uh, maybe I don't know. <laughs> they would do a lot of their staff parties at Penny Farthing or Linden Hall. So I would, we would go there for like, like the restaurant Christmas party would be at like Penny Farthing oh my or God. At like Linden Hall. So I would go there often. And then my friends started working there and their happy hour is incredible. Their happy hour is incredible. Yeah. If you're trying to get like, I mean, like, it's funny because like now I'm like, is their happy hour incredible? It's like, if you want to get wasted at 5 say, p.m. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But so I used to go there after work and like hang out with my friend. But 
I never, like the crowd was never really like necessarily my vibe, but I actually was just there last week because we went there for a drink while we were waiting for a table at Linen Hall or Penny Farthing? Linen Hall. Okay. Because we were waiting for a table at Yellow Rose. <sighs> so fucking so. good. Have we talked about Yellow Rose on the pod? We've talked about it. It's so good. Because there's always, now so... there's always like a two to three hour wait. It's like. It was only 45 minutes. Really? Okay. Yeah, well, we were did Were you it. just two people? Three. We sat at the bar. Uh, maybe that was it. Because I tried to go there the other day and it was like noon. Yeah. They were like, actually. Oh, on the weekends? Yeah. It's a different story. On the weekend. Yeah, I guess it's like the only time I really have tried to go is on the weekends. We but went before we saw, we went before we saw a movie. What movie were we seeing? Avatar. Uh... No, maybe Cocaine Bear. No, I didn't see. You saw it. I did, but wait, that's not what I saw with them. I what did I what did I do with David and Zach? I went with David and Zach to see something, and before we did the thing, oh no, I know what it was. I went with I went to Yellow Rose with David and Zach, and then Zach peeled off after dinner, and David and I went and saw Chapel Roan at Webster Hall. That's what it was. Got it. Got it. Got it. Which was a very good concert. It was like (laughs) Chapel Roan was literally like hundreds, hundreds of 19-year-old women and then about 15 gay men in their 30s. Like, that was the audience of this show and it was honestly amazing. (laughs) Oh my God, that's hilarious. I love when you're at, like, at a concert or, like, in a space where you're just, like, I stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, but I'm, like, not ashamed. I'm, like, I love this music. Her show is so good. Not at all. I love that. I I remember I went with my dad to a Billy Joel concert one time and I looked around. I was, like, yeah, it's really, like... Just a lot of old dudes here. I know. It was interesting because I think a thing that happens when you like, like, do you have like bands or artists that you have gone to see live like every album cycle or like multiple album cycles? Like who? Like who are your people? It's really for me just the Arctic Monkeys since I was a teen. Whoa. Wait, we've never talked about Arctic Monkeys. That was a huge part of my life when I was younger. Yeah. So like I have like I loved them from like one like some of their first albums and I like have Red a f- Light Indicates yeah. album. Yeah. So like my friend Adelaide and I uh, who have been friends since childhood have both been obsessed with them and we've still as adults been like the new album has good stuff on it yeah but there's like there's been two in the past like three or four years or whatever yeah there was like the tranquility base hotel and casino that happened like two or three years ago I can't remember now but we saw them then oh, and nice. we saw them again just recently and I saw them a while ago when they had cut when am was like when am was just out so like that's so cool no what I was gonna say is like very angsty teen vibes, but you know. I mean, I had a poster of them on my wall. I was obsessed. Ugh, Alex Turner's. Like. Yeah. It was the poster where they're all on the boat. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, doesn't matter. Okay, whatever. You'll show me later. I'll show you later. But the, my point is like, it's funny because like, like I think a thing happens if you've been going to see the same artist like over the years where it's like when you get into like your late 20s, early 30s, you'll go to like their next album and suddenly there will be like a bunch of like 21 year olds there who are just just now getting into them. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you're like, I think, I don't care, but like I think a lot of people get like, you you haven't been, like the new fans suck. They're like ruining the vibe. You know what I mean? I think there's like, there can be sort of like a crotchety thing that happens. (laughs) Sure. But it's funny to then be on the flip of the experience where you're going to like, like this was Chapel Run's like second tour ever. She doesn't have a full album out yet. Right. And, I'm so much older than the rest of the crowd, but I'm like, oh, it's like, they're the correct age for this show. Like I'm the weird, like I'm not weird for going, but like, I'm not the target audience necessarily. Yeah. And it's kind of fun to like, see like these young people who are probably going to be fans of Chapel Run for like years. Like as she puts out, I don't know. I thought it was like kind of a cool experience to like witness like young fans with like a young artist on like her first big tour. 
I feel like I feel like that about Ice Spice. I haven't seen her yet. Oh, and, totally. And That's a great example. But like, she's, she's so big she's now, though. She's so huge. And she hasn't even, has she put out a full album yet? No. No. She has like a couple songs and like features and songs, but like yeah. she is like already so fucking big that you that you already think about the fact that like there's gonna be like high school girls and guys and whatever totally. like, that like her now that are gonna continue, as you said, like see her career develop and yeah. they're gonna be like living here in New York, going to her concerts when they're like our age. I know. That is funny to think about. Yeah, no, I was obsessed with Arctic Monkeys when I was in high school because I went through a phase where I was like, I, I my my thing was British rock. Yeah. And I was obsessed with like Arctic Monkeys, the Fratellis. Yes, me um, too. The, who did that Hounds of Lover? Uh, oh, the Future Heads. I don't know that one. Oh, you actually would fuck with the Future Heads. Um, there was another band I was obsessed with. Mo Hare, they were a New York band, but I was obsessed with them. There was like a bunch of British bands like that were like, oh, Stereophonics. They're like a little more like rocky and like less punk rocky. I don't mm, know. Okay. I used to listen to the XM station Alt Nation on my way to school and home every day nice. in my little Jeep. <laughs> Wait, I also drove a Jeep in high school. No way. A little, I had one of the one. I had like the little two-door ones with like no back seat. <laughs> oh, no. I had a 97 or 98 Jeep Cherokee nice. Sport. And it was a stick shift. I love. I cannot drive a stick shift. I it's one I can of, barely drive an automatic. It's very like a thing that my dad did where he's like, my kids have to drive. It was like a very like, like normally the sort of thing I would hate. That's like a very like heteronormative, like my kids have to drive stick. But I'm like very glad he taught me because driving stick is fun. Yeah, I wouldn't know, but I'm terrified. of. I'm like a very nervous driver. I feel like that's not surprising. I actually think it's safer because it keeps you engaged. Like you can't zone out because you're like shifting gears. Do you know what I mean? It makes you more like aware as a driver. I'm, I'm just like, I don't trust myself as a driver. Like I'm so afraid I'm going to hit. Someone. I get that. I actually feel that way now. I hate driving now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like I think I just need to get back in the hang of it. Like when when Marsh and I were doing the like short tour thing, mm-hmm. I like that month I had to drive my sister's car one day and I hated it. And I was like, I don't know how to operate a motor vehicle. But then like later that week, I had to drive Marsha and I from New York to Pittsburgh and back, which was like sixteen hours of driving. And like after like hour four, I was like, oh no, I know how to do this. Like I'm a I'm a good driver. But no, I, like, I'm I just like famously practice. not a good driver. I never have been. I think it's just a personality trait at this point. Like, <laughs> it's just never going to happen because at this point, people don't want to get in the car with me. So I like don't even get to practice because they're yeah. like, no, I'm just going to drive. Please, please, please. Are don't you going to have a car in Philly? I don't know. I'm moving to Philly, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> soft launch that Katie. Soft launch. I'm moving to Philly. Everyone, give me Rex. Um, but I don't know. I I haven't decided yet. I feel like I'm going to try not to because I don't want to have to like do my friends who live their bike and it looks great i uh, see this is another problem about me is like i'm i'm not a i can't bike okay i can't really ride a bike can you walk um sometimes <laughs> i like to get carried as much okay, as possible great. Uh, you essentially are the penny lane of humans <laughs> exactly no it's like it, the subway is definitely gonna be missed for me because that's kind of how i like getting around and how i'm used to getting around now but we'll see I do like to walk, you know. It's a smaller city. Like, walking is not as crazy there as it is No, it's not. No, it's not. And I I think that if we do get a car, like, again, I'll just have Blake be my chauffeur. It'll be fine. But I had a a car in college. There was this family car that we had. It was, like, my mom's car. Then it was my brother's car. Then it was my sister's car. And then it was mine. And then it was my dad's again. And then it was mine again. What kind of car was it? It was a Toyota... Um, RAV4? No, it wasn't a RAV. I don't know, but it was light blue. I can't remember what car, kind of car it was. But Yaris, Corolla, Camry, Avalon. Oh my God. He's a car guy. I mean, I think I just like know 
the Toyota lineup. Okay, wait, maybe it was a Honda then. I don't know. What shape was it? It was a... <laughs> was it like a mini SUV, like a crossover, or was it like a sedan? What does a sedan mean? So like, you know, the cars that kind of just like look like cars. Yeah. And then there's like the two-door, which is a coupe, or the four-door that's like a sedan. Like a Honda Accord is a sedan. Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like very put on the okay. spot here and I feel like you're- Do me a favor <laughs> and text your family after this recording and then tell me what the kind, I just want to know. I'm literally texting them right now because <laughs> someone's going to be like, you fucking idiot. You had that car for so long. But I had it in college. I drove it from Charlotte up to Providence and with a group of my friends and I was like, here's what's going to happen, you guys. <laughs> I will pay- make the playlist. I will pay for the gas. You guys will drive. <laughs> and they were like, okay. All right. And I love that you like, know that. I could, because I can do like short distance, like around campus and stuff. It was fine. But I was like, I don't like getting on the highway or getting off the highway. That scares me. I'm just, I have issues with that. I don't know. I get that. Is. And also, Rhode Island is an intense driving place situation. Like 95 is like hardcore driving. It's like four or five lanes wide. It's like angry New Englanders. I was about to say that New Englanders are kind of scary sometimes. Yeah, like it's intense. Everyone's like high on Duncan and just like ripping it. Um, <laughs> high on Duncan and ripping it. I mean, that's like the case. So Dunky donuts, babe. Um, Providence is a big donut city. Like they have a lot of like chic donuteries. Yeah, they do. Actually, that's true. Like, you don't see that here as much. Well, I think it's like because there's like a lot of bakeries because there's like so many Italian bakeries. So then maybe there's oh just like a God. Federal Hill. Yeah, yeah. Well, I go to the ones in Cranston, but whatever. Okay, okay, um, Cranston. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to finish these beverages. We're going to let you guys listen to this episode. Um, our guest this week is such a fucking funny comedian. She's based in Denver. She was here visiting in New York. I was so happy she got to do the show while she was here. Um, I can't wait for her to come back to New York. I'm going to book her on all of my shows. Uh, she is so, so funny. Um, please enjoy me going out with Hannah Jones. Okay, Gorge. So when did you get here? Um, yesterday afternoon. Okay. Gorge, did you go out last night? Yeah. Well, I had one show and then my friend who's also from Denver in the city right now doing shows had a different one. They were 10 minutes away. Oh, wait. What were the shows? Um, so I did Just Come and they were at Our Wicked Lady. Oh, cute, cute, cute. Yeah. Very fun. So we met up at their brewery afterwards and like had a drink. Oh, very fun. Mm -hmm. Is this your first time being in New York doing shows? Yeah. That's so exciting. It is so exciting. How long have you been doing stand-up in Denver? Um, Like five, six years, I think. That's amazing. What's the comedy scene like in Denver? Is it big? Is it like really small? Um, It's like bigger than I would have ever guessed. Like definitely small compared to here. Well, yeah. But <laughs> um, but it's so good. There's like there's um there's one main club in Denver that has two locations. Um and then like we have an improv as well that's like outside of the city and then like uh, several more clubs within the distance. But then the indie scene because Denver's like so brewery heavy. Right. And like every brewery they're kind of indistinguishable. So the way to get people in the door, they, like, love having comedy shows. And then the people in the city just, like, love watching comedy. Yeah, that's cool. Because I was watching, I was watching, I've been watching your videos for a while, but I was, like, watching a bunch earlier today. And I was like, oh, the, like, the the a lot of your videos are from clubs. Like, mm-hmm. can, And, like, I was like, oh, I was like, damn, like, these look like New York comedy clubs. Like, the way the stage is set up and stuff. Like, mm-hmm. And I was just, I was surprised because I think I pictured it. I assumed it would be more indie, so it makes it's it makes more sense to yeah. hear that. But I guess you would it, assume it's like nowhere. Like, 
I feel like everybody goes there. They're like, oh, the comedy scene is like actually really good. That's crazy. I think because I went to college and well, it's not that I didn't think the comedy scene would be good, but I guess it's more that like I always, because I went to college in Burlington, which mm-hmm. always gets compared to Boulder and Denver. Like oh, just like okay. they're considered like parallels a lot of the time. And also like so many people that go, I went to UVM. Mm-hmm. There's like a pipeline of like you graduate UVM and then you just like move to Boulder or Denver. Like, and Boulder so- sucks. If you, if you wait. go to college and then move to Boulder, that's like, like not a super high chance that you're a cool person. That's so funny. How far is Boulder from Denver? It's like 40 minutes. Right. And it's, why does it suck? Okay. It's, um, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's all of sort of like the problems of Denver, but it's like extremely wealthy and like extremely white. And Ugh. I mostly know it from a comedy perspective. They like hate jokes. They come jokes. Out, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it, if, if it was like, oh, they just don't go to comedy shows, that would be one thing. It's like, no, they're convinced that they would love to come to a comedy show. And then they get to a comedy show and they're like, oh, this is so not what I had in mind. And it's like, what did you have in mind? I don't know. That's so interesting. No, most of my friends from college live in Denver. So I feel pretty yeah. good about that. Are you, you're not from Denver originally, are you? No, I'm from North Carolina originally. Oh my God. Wait, this is such a parallel. I'm Wait, really? Charlotte. Oh, nice. I'm but from then, Fayetteville. Oh, no way. Yeah. And now your family lives in Colorado. Yeah. Oh, like, shit. I have tons of family in Denver. That's so dope. Your sisters? We are. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what drew you to Denver? I was, well, when I graduated college, I had like no money and also no idea what like people did after they graduated from college. I think a lot of people were like, well, we all go and get jobs. And I was like, what? I missed the memo. I know. No, it's actually, (laughs) wait, I relate to that so deeply because like something I didn't, because like neither of my parents worked in corporate America, like ever, Mm -hmm. like that was not part of, and like no one in my family really, I guess like one of my aunts does, but like, I just didn't know how like, like. I didn't understand what the term like entry level position meant. Like I was just like, I was like, I don't know how you become anything. Like I don't, that's why I worked in restaurants. Cause I was like, I know, I I know if you go to a restaurant and say like, can I work here? And then they say yes. Like now you work in a restaurant. But I was like, I don't understand how any of these other things like work. I also like never had had an internship. Like I I don't know what that is. Like I, I, I didn't understand. I remember like when I first moved to New York, everyone was obsessed with, I would be like, I was like so annoying when I first moved here because I was like working in a restaurant trying to do comedy so broke. And so anytime I met anyone, I'd be like, hi, how do you make money? Like I yeah. just wanted to know, like literally, literally. I, was like, I was like, hey, how much, how much you pay in rent? How do you make money? And like, how are you doing this? Like I needed to know that. And everyone was obsessed with being like, I'm a copywriter. And I would be like, yeah, word. And then I'd be like, what is that? And it's fake too, right? Copywriter means like low key, my parents are paying my rent. Copywriter means your parents are paying rent. Nanny sometimes, nanny is one where it's like, I babysit once a week, but I say that's what I do, but I actually pay my rent. Mm. This is the most iconic response I ever got. One time I asked someone what they do for work and she said, I just think we're something more interesting we could be talking about than what ties us to capitalism. I love her. And I went, (laughs) well, fuck me. (laughs) She needs to run for office. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I had like a similar wake up experience when I went to college because- Where'd you go? Um, UNC Chapel Hill and I'm from Fayetteville, which is like not a super like wealthy city. It's like very military mm-hmm. and not a lot of people worked in the corporate world. Anyway, I get to college and 
it's like the first time I realized that there are people who are like significantly wealthier than my family. <laughs> I was like, oh. I could have thought everyone was just like exactly like us. Totally. <laughs> like you, all your bills are covered, but like you don't have health insurance and that's yeah. fine. <laughs> and, but I would like go to school with all these kids who had insane levels of wealth and they would like refer to their internships as their jobs. And I was like, wow, that's crazy that your job is like so much cooler that like your job is in publishing and my job is at a coffee shop. And what I didn't realize is they were like not, not getting, getting paid. No. And so then when I graduated college, I was like, oh, I have just had a very different four years from you guys. <laughs> I sort of didn't have. So for me with college, the thing about UVM is that it is. So UVM is Vermont is like this, one of the state schools for Vermont. Mm-hmm. And so the Vermont kids are like normal. But then the other kids, a lot of them are really, really rich. But the kind of rich kid that UVM um, attracts are like rich kids who love living, living like dirtbags. Like oh, snowboard ski. Like, so I was like, well, all, like I would find out someone was rich and I would be like, they smell like, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like they are like dirty, but like, apparently they are like so rich. Like, and everyone wore like baggy clothes. Like I wasn't like, no one at my school was like wearing Chanel. Like that wasn't the vibe. Like yeah. my high school, my high school, my college version of like wearing like Vineyard Vines or wearing Chanel or wearing anything was like wearing like Burton or North Face or like Patagonia. Like those were like- so Denver. That was, yeah. I mean, they're so similar in that way. So it's like, it's like, there's like these wealth signifiers, like a little bit, like towards the end of college, it was also, what's the one that they say is stuff with down feathers, but it's actually stuff with coyote fur, Canadian goose, Canada Canada goose. Yeah. yeah. Um, Allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Oh my God. That was like a scandal. Wait, what is it? There was a, can you Google this so I don't get arrested? There was like something where like it was revealed that the Canada goose jackets are actually stuffed with like poached coyote fur instead of Canada goose feathers. Can you Google Canada goose (laughs) coyote fur? Scandal. (laughs) Allegedly, allegedly. I'm not even kidding. Well, this is the thing. It was like a thing. I'm like shocked to the level. I'm never going to get these jackets. I've never even considered it. Above a billion dollars. Yeah. Am I right? I think the thing that you're. You're right that they use coyote fur, but I think it's just to line the hood. I don't think that they lied about using goose feathers. Oh, no, it's liable. You're going to get sued. Okay, edit that out. Um, (laughs) Sorry, Canada Goose sponsor me. Um, (laughs) No, but it's like, anyway, my point is what you're talking about, I went through when I moved to New York because I thought what my version of it was, was like, I knew that there were like people who were poor and I knew that people were rich and in my mind like rich people got to go to like Europe twice a year yeah and then I got to New York and started working in fancy restaurants and was like oh no like rich is like spending four thousand dollars on lunch and I like truly was like oh we're fucked like I could not believe how rich rich people were and it fucked me up like it fucked my brain up yeah, it really like, but something within you just like breaks, especially breaks. when you're in the service industry for a long time and you're like interfacing with those people when like you come in with like the worst day in the world and you're like so stressed. I was a barista for a long time. So it would be like, I just like accidentally dropped a gallon of milk in the back and it exploded and I have to go like <laughs> mop it up in a second. And I'm like talking to this woman who like reminds me six times to make her drink with almond milk, even though I've never messed up. And I was like, I was like, okay, this. This is what, when people say like eat the rich, like they are like envisioning violent cannibalism. No, and, I, and I fully get it now. 100. It's like slaughter, clean, cook yeah. and eat the it's rich. It's not a metaphor. <laughs> it's like I'm hungry. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. One hundred percent. Did you, was barista your main service gig? Yeah. Nice. 
I've never been a barista, but my best friend is a barista, but I, I was like a bartender and a server for like a decade. Mm-hmm. It's hard out there. Yeah. Baristaing, I think, is one of the hardest as someone who's never done it, but like watching my bestie go through it. Because one, coffee, well, one, it's like view, like the pay gap between a bartender and a barista is psychotic because yeah. it's like the same level of difficulty. Well, <laughs> well, mm, it's different. I guess it's different because you're not dealing with drunk people, ideally. There's also like bartenders, such a wide gap, right? And if you think about like a shitty dive bar bartender who's like, this like crazy bitch named Marge that like I was that version of a barista. Like I didn't make, <laughs> I didn't make good money as a barista because I was like bad at it. And I have so much respect for like the blue bottle people. And yeah. They deserve to be paid so much more. Absolutely. They should be making like what a good bartender makes. So like, for example, when I, I came to your coffee shop and you're baristaing <laughs> and I say, can I get a cappuccino and a latte? How different are those beverages actually going to end up in the cup? Like pretty different. I was actually, okay, so I'm good at making the drinks. Okay. But I'm not good at like the barista experience. People go to a coffee shop because they want an emotional experience by and large. A hundred percent. Nobody's looking at how much foam there was in the cup. I mean, maybe once or twice you get those customers, but like- Yeah, don't barista in New York because it's a different different ball game. Oh, that's so true. In Denver, it's like everyone just wants something with a lot of vanilla syrup in it. You're fine. (laughs) You can spitball, honestly. (laughs) We would like have our espresso machine break and we would just like use the cold espresso that's like, it's like not espresso anymore. (laughs) Chemically, it changes so much once you refrigerate it. I mean, it's just like fine. Nobody notices. I mean, yeah, that's valid. Wait, so, okay, but you were not giving that experience is what you're saying? No, like socially, I just, um, I just can't get that experience for like long hours. Like I would come in the morning hype. I was like, this is going to be the day that I'm gregarious (laughs) and mysterious and sexy, but like friendly. This is the day that I'm going to do that my entire shift. I know I have the energy in me. Like 10 minutes later, I was like, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) There's a barista on my block. So I live on the same block as a coffee shop that I love. Mm -hmm. And all the baristas there are angels. And there's one who like is like, I give you nothing. And I respect them so deeply because I'm like, (laughs) I, it's like, I just see it. It's like, you're never going to give me anything. I don't need anything. Like, I just want the coffee, but I just love that they do. There's no performance. Like, oh my God, hi. It's just like, Hi, what can I get you? It's not even rude. It's actually the most neutral human I've ever experienced. They Mm -hmm. are like, I'm like, they have fully perfected. Like I come and I present the coffee and the service and the transaction with no emotional tie. I don't know if they're taking ketamine before they get to work. Like, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm like, I respect you so, so deeply. The best barista is one that like, just switches it up on a dime for no apparent reason. Like they'll give 110% to like one person in line. And then the next seven people, they give like negative five. And it's like you walk out of there like, okay, I'm questioning myself on an existential level. What's wrong with me? And it's like, that's that's a huge experience. That's an emotional product, right? That's so much more than a cup of coffee. That's also like, that's also sending like butterfly effect through the community, like what they are doing to like the entire community. If like everyone in the, in a given area is going to that coffee shop, the psychic influence of that is so deep and so powerful. Truly. Especially if they're just like not being consistent. Like if you go one day and you're getting, if you get the hundred and the next day you get the negative five, that's destabilizing. That happened to me 
with a coffee shop that I was a regular at in my old neighborhood. And I was like, oh, okay, like they're having an off day, right? It's like, I'm capable of empathy 100%. I go back the next time and it's still nothing. And then after three times- Was it times nothing in a row, or they're mad at you? Like, was it just like, oh, I normally get something and I'm getting nothing? Or were you like, they're mad at me? Okay, but like, there's not, those two <laughs> things aren't different. Like I have an anxiety <laughs> disorder. If someone's giving me nothing, it's like, they're for sure mad at me. Oh, by I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> but it was like the switch up. It's like one time I'll write that off as a fluke. Three times in a row. Okay, I have to go to a new coffee shop. And did you change coffee shops? Yeah. And then I'm like, well, now I know they're mad at me. It's like across the street. They could probably see me going in. I used to have pink hair. So it'd be like, they would probably notice. A hundred percent. There's a coffee shop around here. It's actually like one block up, which is the only time I know of in New York where I have been a rude customer. And the second it happened, I was like, oh my God. Like, I never thought I would have a day that pushed me to like, I just like, it wasn't even that. I'm going to tell you exactly what, what I did. Yeah. Have I told the story on the podcast, Katie? I don't think I have. When you like. With the, with the sausage roll at Bork Street. <laughs> you look scared about it. <laughs> I don't know, but. Wait, what story were you thinking of? Wait, tell this one. I had a day where I don't even fully remember what was going wrong, but I remember being like really upset. Mm-hmm. And also I think I was running late. Like my schedule was fucked up and I hadn't been able to eat. And I was like so hungry that that was also making me upset. Like, and I was just like, I'm going to get, there's like a place up here that sells like these really good sausage rolls and Mm -hmm. they have like a special ketchup that comes with them. Okay. Gorge. And I go and I'm like, I'm just going to get this and eat it quickly because I was coming here to record the podcast. I like get there and I'm like, hi, can I get the whatever sausage roll? And they're like, yep. And they put it in and I see that they don't put the ketchup in the thing. And I was like, oh, can I get the ketchup? And he was like, we're out of the ketchup. And I went, great. (laughs) Like a demon. (laughs) And then I caught myself to it. And then I went, and he went, I'm really sorry. Like he could tell like, bitch, like enough (laughs) with the dramatics. Like he was annoyed. Rightly so. And I literally went, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, I think I'm having, that was not okay. You didn't need to see that. I'm genuinely so sorry. I'll Mm -hmm. never go back there. They can't see, they never have to see my face again. You You don't believe in redemption? I would go back now, but like for a couple months, I was like, I can't go back here. Like (laughs) I have to put myself in timeout. And then when I come back, I'm going to, you know what I mean? I'm going to be on my best behavior. But I would have I've to never been that person. That you told on the pod. That's not the one I told on the, the pod. One that, you, that I was thinking of is when you accidentally were like, "Can I have a second? But you. Didn't no, know. that was different. Where I just my gay voice sounded rude, and I didn't realize it until after. Where I was like, "This guy came up. This was. I still think about this, and I have anxiety about this. It was at Five Leaves in Williamsburg. The guy came up. He's like, "Hey guys, have we like? Can I grab you guys something to drink? And I was trying to be cute, like, "Yeah, can we get like a second? Like, just like." <laughs> but I meant like, that I meant like, so bad. I realized in the minute I like just toned, I like intonated wrong. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, yeah, sorry. Can we just like get a second? Or like, sorry, like we're just, I was trying to be like, quirky and fun. And he went, yeah. Like he was like, and I was like, I'm going to kill myself. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Cause the second time you said it, it also sounded rude. That I is- meant like, I meant like, I, what the, okay. How do you intonate the sentence? What I was trying to say was like, I'm so sorry. We didn't look at the menu yet. All we need is a second. Like, yeah, it's my bad. It's, I guess I should have just said that. So I should have been like, oh my God, sorry. We just need like a second. That's what it should have been. Like, oh yeah, sorry. Can we just get like a second? Like I just didn't look. It still sounds weird. I'm so sorry. That might not be the phrase for you. You might have to switch See, to a different way See, this is the thing. It's it. like my gay voice sounds rude. It's just like. It's just that phrase though. Yeah. Okay. I think it, I just was like, yeah, sorry. I don't know. I just, and I could tell he hated me. And I was like, this is the worst brunch of my life. And it was, it was the worst brunch of my life. Actually, no, it was, it was wonderful. Otherwise, but I was so, I've actually never gone back to that place because of that. The funny thing about that is that I would have to go back later that day in my most chipper. I would have to like immediately 
overcompensate. Here's the thing. The server was a hot, straight Australian man and he's fine. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, he can take the dig. Like, I'll, I can forgive myself for that. If you happen to be listening to this podcast, hot Australian man that worked at Five Leaves at this point, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years ago, mm-hmm. I'm genuinely very sorry. And I hope you have not carried the vex with you. But I think we can like bury the hatchet. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's, but that time I was not, I did not have rude intent. I was not, I was so happy he had come over. I was, I just like tonated wrong. Yeah. Worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's so relatable. I, I do, like, if I, I, I accidentally say things rude so frequently, like, I'll hear my own voice and be like, do, bitch, do you not have any control over <laughs> tone and stuff? Do you, are you not, like, a performer? Have you not <laughs> read lines before? When you accidentally say it rude, is it, like, I'm feeling rude and I accidentally let it slip out? Or it's, like, you are feeling fine, a la what I'm talking about at Five Leaves, where I just, like, you say it and you're like, oop, that sounded rude and I didn't mean it to. It's like the second that I am preoccupied but continue going around being a person, it is rude 100% of the time. Can you give me an example? Yeah. If I am like, um, if I, uh, I mean, this happens in comedy so often, but if I'm like thinking about like a set thing or just like, like, you know, when you show up at a show and And it's like like time to socialize, but it's like you also did kind of just get to work. um, 100%. I have to like meditate before I walk in like, be warm, be friendly. Oh my be God. Hannah, the performance starts now. You know? Wow. <laughs> but it's good. It's like, it's been so good for me to know that. I literally just in Denver, like right before I left, I like had a night where I showed up to this, like this bar that a lot of comics go to at like kind of the end of the night. And this girl like ran up and hugged me and was like, are you mad at me? And I was like, no, but like, what what did I say? And she's like, well, this time you like greeted me so weird. And I was like, that is Honestly, such useful feedback. I I know you probably feel insane right now. You're not the insane one. I get this so often. It's I'm so glad you checked with me. Wow. <laughs> it's like it's like rude voice. It's yeah. like accidental rude voice. Mm-hmm. That's that's hard. It's resting bitch personality. <laughs> Ultimately, it's like <laughs> I am a good person, but the good person is not default or like intuition the good person is action i actually think that's more respectable that you're like doing the work you're like (laughs) doing the work i actually think that's like a i'm not joking i think that's a hundred percent more respectable literally someone has to work at being a good person because it doesn't come naturally to that if someone's naturally a good person it's like does that mean anything at all it's like when you meet a friend and they're so complimentary like nightclub bathroom just like complimenting the shit out of you and it's like when you're 20 it means so much it's like that girl just said my outfit is giving (laughs) like the universe and then you like by the time you're 24 you're like that girl needs to do less cocaine that's so annoying (laughs) I know she said that to every girl she saw in the bathroom tonight it's like short term positivity versus like actually doing like good things in the world yeah yeah at some point you need to transition (laughs) no yeah I think and that's like the thing that's hard when you are on the other side of service is being like is this person being accidentally rude to me or is there actual like evil behind this and I and I don't think I oftentimes it, uh, if you are the service person, it's like it all just feels like evil. Yeah, which is crazy as a person who's constantly accidentally rude that I still when I get it from someone else, I'm like, it's crazy that they're not naturally 
so warm and friendly in every moment. <laughs> yeah. And for me, what's what the thing that I had to get over the hardest that like I still, I think it's just like a thing in life is like the knowledge that like there's no, not like, I don't want like punishment. Like I'm not like a believer in like punishment. Yeah. But it's like the thing of like, they will never know how this affected me. They will never know that this was rude. They will never know that this hurt me. They, you know what I mean? Like that, like lack of like, I just have to take this and then it will have it like this experience lives and dies within me. See, my favorite thing to do when I was a barista, if someone said something even a little bit too rude of like crossed my line of like, you're a rude customer, I would do the most manipulative shit. I would- I did make someone cry once at work, but moving on. (laughs) I would start groveling to a degree that was extremely disproportionate to what they had said. (laughs) I would be like, in a full customer service style, I would be like, I fully understand the fact that we are out of almond milk today is really unacceptable. And for you, it's like you trust us to have the ingredients for your drink. And today we didn't deliver that for you. And I keep going (laughs) until I can see in their eyes that they feel bad and stupid. And then I would be like, so whatever we can do to make it up to you and earn back your business next time, like, We are prepared to do that. I'm nauseous and this is a role play of that situation. (laughs) I would literally never go back. Yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's genius. It's genius. Like I'm like applauding you. It felt really good. Like looking back on it, it's like, it was never that serious. I, the real answer was like, I needed to not be working that job. Some people are good at that job. They need to be paid more. But like, I needed to get out of there. I should never have been interfacing with customers for 40 hours a week. Yeah, I think that's when a lot of people get out is like when you realize like, oh, this has become a bad, this is, I'm now a liability to this business (laughs) and a liability to myself. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And like, I have to go, even though it's the other people that are in the wrong, part of this job is dealing with that. You shouldn't have to, but that's the reality of it. Mm-hmm. And it, once you lose that capability, you have to go. And it sucks because it's like you have to figure out how to make money. But it's like it starts to kill you. Yeah. Mentally kill you. When did you get out? Um, Two years ago. Yeah. Two years ago. How has How is going out now that you don't work in the service industry? Well, so when I was in the service industry, I didn't make a livable wage. And then during Absolutely. the pandemic, they like cut our hours and was really struggling. And then I got a job that is a livable wage. So I also just like experienced being <laughs> um, like- Eating food. <laughs> yeah. Financially safe for the first time. Uh-huh. And that has changed going out so much. Yeah. Like the idea that I would walk into a place and my mission isn't like, my mission for a city is not like, how can I like get, like navigate this experience in the cheapest way possible? Now it's kind of like, how can I just like have the most fun? I know it's crazy. (laughs) It's actually crazy. Yeah. It changes everything. A hundred percent. It changes. How old are you? you 28. Okay. Gorge. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, that's kind of like the age where where it started to shift for me as well, where I wasn't like every week being like, oh, I have no money, like, Mm -hmm. but I need to have a social life. How do I navigate this? Like, and knock on wood, you know, that fear never goes away, but like it, like it changes everything on such a fundamental level. And I think that that's like going back to what we were talking about earlier. I'm like, I think that's why I think it's as much as it sucks, Mm -hmm. it's important because I think that is why like the rich kids in college and like in late in your early 20s are like losing their fucking minds because there's no hustle for the fun. Yeah. They just have access to it. And they're like, well, I could if I wanted to go and buy a hundred drinks every night and blackout 
Yeah. I could. So maybe I should try Coke. Do you know what I mean? I well, think- literally, especially with those drugs, because like there is a window of time where you're experimenting with drugs where the like you don't necessarily have all of the knowledge uh, of like what your dosage should be or anything. 100%. And the limiting factor for me was always like, well, I can only afford one tab of acid. So that's what we're doing tonight. And thank God. Thank God. I remember literally like at this point I've, I've tried them all and like, I know which ones I like and what I don't. And I, I don't like most. Mm-hmm. I'll do a couple here and there. I remember like, I vividly remember when I tried Coke, I was like, I was like, I'm not afraid of getting addicted to this because it is actually fiscally impossible. Like the yeah. funds do not exist. Like I know for a fact I cannot afford enough Coke to get addicted to it. And therefore I feel comfortable trying. <laughs> yeah. Like I vividly remember thinking that. And that was kind of true every time I did it. The Coke of all the drugs is the one I think is the worst. I hate how it makes me feel. But like same. I when I did it, every time I done it, I'm like, well, I literally, there's no world in where I can get addicted to this because I can't afford it. For me, most of the time that I have done Coke, it has been provided for me. Yeah. And that is such a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but it is also, it's like, if I had had access to that, none of my friends did it in college. If I had had access to that at 18 or 19, when I was trying all the other shit, I would have like no friends. Like, yeah. thank God I was just kind of old enough that I did Coke like a few times. It was like a weird year. And I was like, oh, this makes me the worst person in the world. Yep. The next day I'm like, oh no, I was the worst person in the world last night. Oh my God, how rude are you on Coke? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, literally it's any, honestly, I don't even know how rude it is. Mostly just annoying. I'm annoying. We're, I mean, we're all annoying. Like I'm not the- Uppers make you annoying. Yeah. And I'm not the best with social cues to begin with. I was homeschooled. Were you? Yeah. All the way through? All the way through. Wow. I think you're the first homeschooled guest. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. It's so important for people to have representation. Wait, (laughs) what? Okay, now I want to know, what was it like going to college from homeschooling? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Um, (laughs) How much time do you have? No. (laughs) It was really weird. I mean, the weird thing is that homeschoolers always address really well to the academics because you have already been independently managing your time and your motivation for a really long time. Can I ask why you were homeschooled? Yeah, for for religious reasons, like Duggar-style religious reasons, like very fundamentalist. But that, like, do you have, like, a lot of siblings? Um, I have three older siblings. Okay. Which is, but, like, where I come from, my mom was, like, made fun of for having such a small family. Oh, whoa. Because, like, eight or nine was, like, the sweet spot. Twelve was, like, a lot. But, like, eight or nine was, like, come on, just, like, have eight kids. Why do you only have four? (laughs) So the fact that you're the youngest of four, it's, like, you're boring. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wait, were you still in that religious sect when you went to college? I I was, it was a very gradual experience. By the time I graduated high school, I was very dissatisfied by the community I grew up in. But what I would tell you is like, of course I believe in God. A hundred percent believe in God. I just believe in him as a very different way that I, like, I think women should be able to like have their own (laughs) like financial decisions and like not be abused by their husbands. You know, like that's what I think. And I think women should be able to go to college and stuff. And but like, people were like, she's being rude. Well, <laughs> I was made fun of so much. They called me feminazi when oh I was growing God. up, which is like <laughs> so insane looking back on it because it was like the most low level, like white you feminism. You were literally saying that like men shouldn't hit their wives and yeah. they were like feminazi. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, well, it's kind of a man's choice whether he wants to hit her oh or not. So. Oh my God. 
No, there was. I, was just, I make light of it because I'm from that community. It does have an abuse problem, but. That is awful. Yeah, yeah. But going to college, it was really strange coming from such a sheltered upbringing and meeting so many like different types of people. Um, yeah, I just had a lot of learning to do very quickly about like how to be a person and like self-discovery and also like how to be a good citizen of the world. It's like, oh my God, racism exists. That's an entirely new concept to me. Because I'm, I'm sure that community you were in was homogeneously white. Yeah. Yeah. That must have, yeah, wow. So it makes 100% sense to me that you became a comedian. I have like that level of like observation of society to then be like, I have to navigate this. Like, yeah. It makes sense that you'd be a very funny person and a comedian. There is like a strange number. Like there are a lot of homeschooled comedians and we like, we keep it under wraps because that's so funny. <laughs> wow. Did you, how do I word this? Like <laughs> when you got to freshman year, mm -hmm. were you like an outsider because you were so different or were you really good at like kind of masking it and being like, I'll be normal like everyone else and then figure this out kind of on my own time? I thought I was really good at masking it. I was also kind of like one of the more socially normal homeschoolers in my like high school community. Like people would comment on it. I was like fun and bubbly or whatever. It's so crazy to have been a community of people that are homeschooling their kids and being like, you're really normal for what we're doing to these kids voluntarily. Like, <laughs> like literally. The acknowledgement that we're fucking these kids up is so crazy. Because my mom. Oh my God. <laughs> my mom is incredible. And like the exception to our, a lot of the negative things in our community Mom, incredible. Still a part of that community? No. Wow. Very much also gradually got out on kind of like the same time span I did. Um, we had a lot of growing that we did together. That's but beautiful. It was so beautiful. But so I was like, oh, I'm fun and outgoing and bubbly. And like, I remember specifically like one of my best friends in high school had a crush on this guy. And she was like, he was also our friend. She was like, we're going to like hang out together and like go to McDonald's and get smoothies and like can you come? Because whenever you're around, the conversation's less awkward. And I literally remember That's when, <laughs> when I graduated high school, I was like, oh, I'm the socialization queen. I'm, <laughs> I have the charisma. I'm the one who keeps the conversation going. And I get to college. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, fuck, I need to like start telling people I was homeschooled so they don't think there's like a worse reason oh, for how I am. Oh, <laughs> my God. What do you, can you distill what, what things you were not good at? Um, greetings has always been like a huge struggle. Okay. That sounds so weird. It took me a really long time to figure out that if you see someone that you know, no matter what the context is and how surprising it is and what else you have going on, you do kind of have like a moral friendship responsibility to like acknowledge them and like stop for as long as you both want to stop and like talk to them. So like, like you, no, I don't know that everyone feels that way. I think most people do. Oh, like you're just talking like blanking a friend in the store. And you store. know what? This might be a South versus like New York City thing. That's probably a mixture of it in too. In the South, that was like a social pattern that pe people would keep being like, oh yeah, I like saw you on the quad and you like iced me out. And I was like, I mean, what? We weren't going there specifically to meet each other. Was I supposed to? And I- over were you, time, were you like not even looking at them? Like, what, or was it just that you were? Yeah, waiting and not I would usually pretend not to see people, or if I okay, but I would also be kind of like peeking at them in the corner. Of my, like, I hope that I hope they're not seeing me as well. But I, I was just so I'm you so weird. You would have in New York. Like I feel like that's a New York thing a lot of the time. That's my favorite thing about coming here is <laughs> like not making eye contact with strangers, not sure. saying stuff to strangers that often. 
having headphones in the whole time. Yeah. There is a song in a dance because I do think that New York gets like a bad rap too far that way where people think like no one's looking at each other, no one's connecting. And it's like, no, when we need to connect, we connect. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like I almost got hit by a car the other day and I like looked at, not it, that it, that's like a bi-weekly occurrence. Like, like it just like, not like in a bad way. It was just like this guy like ran a red light and almost hit me and I like made eye contact with a woman where she was like, Jesus. And I was like, yeah. And then we yeah. just kept walking and it's like, see, there is community here in like Absolutely. the moments where it needs to. But had that car gone, did I need to make eye contact with her? No, but then something happens. We did. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I think- and I think it's nice to, when you see someone in New York, you'll make eye contact, but there's like a knowing of like, neither of us have time to stop. Yeah. And that's fine. Unless it's someone that you maybe haven't seen in a long time. It's more functional. Yes. It's it's like you just look at people and communicate with them when you have something to communicate. Yeah. Okay. So greetings was one of the things. Were there any yeah. others? Yeah. Let me, hmm. I was a big, I was like, really wanted to make friends. Mm-hmm. And I also like, everybody came to UNC with like a lot of friends from their high school. And I was like, oh, that's none hard. of the people that I knew in high school came here. And Were you homeschooled like fully at home or was there like a community of homeschooled kids? There was a community of homeschooled kids. We but met you didn't once go to, a week. You met once a week mm-hmm. to like do schoolwork or to like party? To do like, <laughs> not party. And by party, I mean like activities. Yes, activities. We partied <laughs> at the speech and debate tournaments. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So Wait. we were wearing business attire. <laughs> Wait, so when you got to, okay, so what was partying like when you got, because UNC Chapel Hill is a party school. Yeah. yeah. A huge party school. First weekend, I went, I had this roommate, absolutely fucking gorgeous, like <laughs> drop dead gorgeous. She, her bra size is 32 double D, which like the ratio there is absolutely insane. I'm looking at you because I'm like, you know, that's wild, right? It's like, that's like really small waist, but huge Mm -hmm. boobs. Literally. And so I went (laughs) to frats with her because that's what she's going to do because that shit is free and you get to be the princess of the room. I went to frats with her first weekend. Someone like had a bag of wine. He was like going throughout the party and he would like squirt the wine, white, <laughs> white Franzia Absolutely. into your mouth. I mean, you didn't have to say that. We knew. <laughs> and he, and you like slap the bag yeah, to like make it go first, faster or something. The second it touched my lips and my social anxiety, which had been like the defining characteristic of my entire life up to that moment, evaporated. <laughs> and I was like. You're telling me (laughs) drugs and alcohol (laughs) fix every problem that a privileged, white, sheltered young woman has ever had in her life, (laughs) being worrying about other people's perception of me and like whether or not boys think I'm hot fixes that problem, fixes everything. I was like, okay, perfect. I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. I Immediately, I was like, I'm going to do this specifically as moderately as I can. I'm going to do this moderately so in it- an addictive way because if I, if I don't, I'm going to become an alcoholic in a moment. That's wow. how much it was made for my brain. Wow. Did you become an alcoholic? No. I've That's always impressive. I've always kept a really firm grip on it. Though yeah. I do like I've navigated my relationship with alcohol with a lot of mindfulness since the very beginning. Cause that first sip of white Franzia, I was like You know, I really relate to that. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this works for me. Yeah. And do I probably have I had moments of being like, I'm drinking too much? A hundred percent. But I do think I've never not been conscious of it. Same. That I had like a period where I like cut back more recently 
Um, but it's, I've always been really successful in the amount that I need to cut back. And I think that's because I've known for the first day, like I want to be able to have a drink for the rest of my life. (laughs) And that means I have to make sure that I'm not going overboard. I've said this before. Like, I remember like that is something I tried to say to someone who I thought was drinking too much. I was like, Hey, like if you don't want to fuck this up, you need to cut back like, or you're going to have to cut it out. Absolutely. And this was someone who worked in in wine, so it was like part of their job. I was like, you're gonna have to find a new job. Like mm-hmm. you need to kind of get on your shit together or you're gonna fuck your whole thing up. And I think it's like it I often I feel like this has come up a few times in the podcast because I think oftentimes like alcohol gets talked about in black or white terms. Totally. Obviously it's like, yeah, cutting it out would be better. Like I get that. Mm-hmm. But it's like also like if you don't want to, we can talk about like being mindful of it within this the scope and I think that's helpful. Well and my boyfriend's sober because he did. He did have to cut it out of his life. Respect. Um, which I like love so much. It's like an extremely hard thing to do. And he is like a really all or nothing guy. And so moderation just would have like never worked for him. And yeah. he like loves the choice that he made to go sober. He's not like one who like everybody has to, but like he is a little bit like truly loves that choice. And I have always been like I am so good at cutting back because I don't want, like when I'm, I have this like dream, I'm like imagining myself when I'm 40 and like, or I guess 50 or something. Cause I have, I'm like imagining myself with like long gray hair and like very chic older woman with like lots of bracelets on for some reason. Absolutely. And if I can't like go out to an Italian restaurant and like swirl a glass of wine. Absolutely. Chicly. Then I then what will be the point of being <laughs> such a chic older woman? Yeah, it is interesting. Like I feel similarly sometimes where I think about like I don't feel like I I don't like need alcohol for any of the things in my life, but it's like there are those moments where it's like, well, I want the glass of wine for that moment. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. If it's not there, would I cry? No. Would I be devastated? No. But I don't want to fuck up my life and then not be able to have it. I think it's like yeah. The line I land on. Every time I pass on a drink, I'm like, I'm doing this for her. Every time I like go home early because I'm yeah. like, I'm not sure if this night's going to continue to get better. And I yeah. want to like leave it where, leave them wanting more. I'm like, I'm doing this for her. The thing I'm bad about is not even so much drinking as it is staying in. Yeah. I'm not like a home person. Mm-hmm. I stayed in last night and Congrats. it was like, th- like literally, thank you. It is, like, such a conscious choice for me to not go out and, like, find something to do. Because between, like, doing comedy, working in restaurants, like, I can find an activity. Like, yeah. I can go visit one of my friends at their restaurant job. I can go see a show. I can go try to get get on a show. I can text a friend and see if they want to meet up for whatever. I was like, you have been you have been so social and hanging out. And you actually have a little bit of work to do. And also, you probably need to recharge. And I have such this fear that I'm going to feel antsy and not be able to, like, fall asleep and just be up all night. And then it's like, I stayed in last night. I was like texting my friend from like, from like seven to nine, like about how antsy I was feeling about like not being, and it, it was, it was literally not alcohol related. It was like yeah. about being out of the house, like feeling very much like, like I just, I, th- I think it's a New York thing too, but I feel like you probably feel it in any city where I'm like, everyone's hanging out without, like everyone, I'm the only person sitting inside their apartment right now, which is like so patently false, but I f- really feel that way. And then come 1030, I was like, 
actually, I'm sleepy. I'm going to bed. <laughs> I like went to bed and it was not, I got a hard eight last night. And it's like, yeah, it's oh not God. that bad. Like I have such a fear of it. And then once I get there, it's like literally fine. It's just the buildup. I have literally the exact same problem. And it is a little bit a New York thing because in Denver, it's like a lot less social of a city uh, that we go to sleep way earlier. Like even if there is a night out, it's rarely like a long one. And that has helped me so much because I can only enjoy a night in if I know that like nothing fun is happening. Yeah, that's like, yeah, a hundred percent. Like that's why I love, like I low-key love. It's like, oh, there's a blizzard so bad. It's shutting the city down. I love that. Cause I'm like, yeah. no one's hanging out without me. That's why I can't <laughs> live here. Yeah. It's because I do think I would have such a problem. Like I it's would genuinely love- really hard. Yeah, to go out and to socialize every night until, because you can't, this one thing that's weird about New York, every time I come here, you go to any other city, you know, a few people, it's like, well, maybe one night they'll make like dinner plans with you, whatever. I come here, I know like a few people, they all want to hang out. None of them like work for some reason. They're all free <laughs> every night to hang. I know. You're like, do you want to get a drink? They're like, yes, of course I'm drinking tonight. It's a Tuesday. Yes, we're grabbing a drink tonight. And I I love that for exactly one week. I could not live that way. It was, it yeah, it takes a lot of mental energy and emotional energy to navigate. And the worst part was the hardest part. And like, you wouldn't go through this because you have friends here now. But like when I first moved here mm-hmm. and it was like, everyone in the city is hanging out and I don't have friends yet. Yeah. Like I moved here with a couple of friends, but like we weren't going out. They were like, we like, they, my two best friends that I moved here with are like much more homebodies and like mm-hmm. I'm like the going outer. And so I was like, I wanted to go out and do stuff. And I was like, this whole city is full of people hanging out and doing fun things. And I don't know who and how and where. And it was like killing me. Yeah. And, uh, like I didn't have roots yet. I didn't have community. And like now I do and it's fine. But that was like the worst part. And then, but even still now it's, yeah, like last night I was sitting on my couch I love my apartment. I love my home. I love my mm-hmm. life. I was like, I have to get out of this house. I have to go do something. And I was like, why? To go to like a bar I've been to a million times that I'm going to go to a million more times probably. Like to do what? Like I, I'm going, like I have plans this weekend. Like I can stay in tonight and it will be fine. And it was. And honestly, I feel amazing today because I did it. But like the two hours between like five and seven where I was like, <laughs> everyone's like getting ready to go out and like do fun things. And I'm at home. I was like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned like when you had just moved to New York, like those moments f- like flipped that switch in your brain almost because I know that when I got to college, like, so I, I talked about my roommate. We didn't end up becoming like real friends. That's not where I found community. I found community elsewhere, but like there was that period of time where I didn't really have close friendships yet I was like say yes to everything but there was like one Saturday night at a big party school where I could like hear everyone partying and I just like didn't have plans um and I remember the way that my brain was rewiring in that moment I was like next week we text people on Thursday what are the plans for tonight I was like I I had twin experience I will never let that happen again and I'm a Capricorn so I know exactly how I'm going to not let that happen again I'm going to organize I'm going to do the work beforehand to make sure I'm never in this position again of like sitting at home vaguely wishing that I was connecting with 10 a.m. like in the morning I'm going to start investing like what are the parties tonight like what's happening I Mm -hmm. will not be left out again I will be involved again yeah and it is I, I went through that exact same thing in college because especially like, I think my version of that, I've talked about this many times on the podcast was like, I was like a gay guy. So it's like, I didn't fit in with like the straight guys in my dorm. And then yeah. like, I did fit in with the girls, but they also had like, we're doing a girl's night. And also like, yeah, a lot, of, it, I, it took me a real minute to find my like community in college. 
I didn't really have, I would say like I made really good friends freshman year, but then we didn't like click as a community community until junior year. Cause I did my whole sophomore year abroad and mm. I did my sophomore year abroad. I think part of that was because I was like, I'm not finding community here. Let me go to another country. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I, and I, but I rem, I so vividly remember the, the first time there was a weekend where everyone had gone to a party and I was like, I guess I'm staying in the storm. Yeah. Well, and also like staying in the dorm, the, the the infrastructure is not there. It's not like you have like a beautiful apartment where you can enjoy a night in. No, you're with in like a cell. A cold beer and watch Love Island. It's like, no, you have a laptop, you have a to-do list <laughs> and you have no food or drinks. Yes. 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 And a twin size lofted bed because your roommate got there before you and claimed the one that's on the ground. Yeah, it's really bad. It was so We didn't bad. do bunk beds in my dorm, but we did the thing where we lofted both and then like had the living space under them. Okay, well, that's very equitable. It was nice. <laughs> it was nice. No, my roommate got there and claimed the regular bed. And I was like, I'm not gonna, we're not gonna like fight about this. That would be crazy to like start off the year on that. I was like such a power move. And I also I was like, your, your boobs are huge. <laughs> You're capable of like asking for what you want. You're like a fully new species of person. I've never, I've never had met a girl with is she boobs a Fox, that Is big. she like a Fox News anchor now? Like, what does she do? No. I mean, she's so nice. Let me okay. clarify. <laughs> <laughs> this is really rude the way that I'm talking about her. But I did like idolize her. No, she, totally. she was the first like proper hot girl I had met. No shade to anyone I went to school with. It's just we were all homeschooled. Well, they were your siblings, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no shade to my sister, <laughs> but her knockers were not that big. <laughs> no, I had like other kids that we in our like co-op. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, wait, did you find the thing? Okay, you kind of touched on this earlier, but I feel like I've heard this thing. Did you feel that when you came to college from homeschool, you were like much more educated than the average I feel like I've heard that, that like homeschool students, either if they like had a bad homeschooling situation where like mm -hmm. their parents were saying they're homeschooling, but not educating. Oh, yeah. that. But I've also heard that like there are homeschool kids that they got to college and they're like highly educated compared to like the average public school education. That was my experience. And the reason for that is not because we're smarter. It's because like if you think about all take your entire high school experience and yeah. think about all the time that you actually spent literally learning and take out all of the other time that you spent. Like how many hours is that realistically? You probably could have learned to that same amount. There's like nothing slowing you down. Right. So I would do like work for like four hours a day, but I would still just get a lot more learning in than the average high school and I had access assess, like, to. Do you like, test like state mandated tests? Like how is it like monitored? Yeah, they make you take a standardized test every year and report it to the government so that like theoretically, if there are warning signs that people are not being educated at all, they could like intervene. In my experience, they don't. Um, but like my mom also was a teacher before she started homeschooling oh, us. That's a huge so asset. it was super different. She was like, my kids are getting an education. And the education can be very godly. <laughs> like, I'll be honest, like, I didn't get a ton of education about, like, evolution. But <laughs> that was kind of the only hole. Sure. Like, reading, writing, arithmetic was, like, and I also, like, from a pretty young age, we had a conversation about, like, do you want to be on a pre-college track? Um, my parents were also really good with, like, preparing us for the fact that at 18, we were, like, fully independent. Yeah. Which is a very Protestant thing. And also why, like, it was so confusing to me going to college and finding out that, like, other people were still getting money from their parents. Yeah. 
I was like, mine will take me out to dinner when they're here. They yeah. might fill up my car if we stop at a gas station. Yeah. But like- <laughs> I mean, I know people, it's crazy, the different experiences, because I know people who are, have never once paid their own rent. <laughs> It's so bonkers. I know. I mean, God bless them. I'd take it if it was offered to me. Yeah. I I think it would be bad for my brain. Yeah. Um, I do really need steaks to throw. I'm one of those people where I'm like. It's the Capricorn. I'm so busy and I'm so overworked. But if I worked even a little bit less, I would be so bored. No, it's the Capricorn. A hundred percent. And like my favorite activity is like complaining about how busy I am. That's like the most fun (laughs) part of my day. I know. It's so... I'm so... I mean, it's the saying, I think I'm so bad at doing nothing. I'm so bad at doing nothing. Yeah. Yeah. I can't handle it. Um, where? How are we on time? Oh, it's time? I've sensed it. Um, this isn't... Wait, you're here till Sunday? Yeah. Okay, Gorge. The normal way we end the episode mm-hmm. is that we plan a night out together. Oh my God, fun. Yes. What is the night out that you are desiring to have while you're in New York? Okay, so Saturday, I only have an early show. And my friend from high school, also homeschooled, <laughs> okay, sorry. Um, but she's also normal, is going to be in town. And that's our night where we're going to like try to like party. We have no plans currently. We have some recs we've received. Okay, fun. But any direction you can give us. I'm going to a drag show and we'll be out and about after that. Oh my God. So you should try to come to the drag show or meet up after. That'd be fantastic. Because you're off the F. So you could get to Brooklyn pretty easily. Yeah. Right. And I'll be in Brooklyn for the show that we have. Oh, then Gorge. So I'm going to tell you where we, and that'll be perfect. Oh my God. Also, if you're free on Thursday night, I'm going to a party at a gay bar that is Avatar themed. Oh, that's awesome. Like full costumes and everything? I'm not going on a costume. I don't really know okay. what the, th- I don't really know how it's going to play out, but I just saw that it was happening and I was like, well, I'm, I'm going. It's also very close to my apartment, so that makes it easy. That's dope. Yeah, um, I might. So that's another option. But we can, we'll explore some like gay nightlife options yes please i've never done the gay nightlife scene well that has to change okay well thank you so much for doing the show this was perfect thank you so much for having me anytime yay thank you so much for listening to going out with jake cornell if you could please go and rate and review us on whatever you're listening to this on that would be really gorgeous for me in a huge way so thank you and now for some credits Going Out with Jake Cornell is recorded in New York City and produced by Keith Beavers and Katie Brown. The music you're hearing is by Darby Seasai. The cover art you're probably looking at was photographed by M. Cooper and designed by Danielle Grinberg. And a special shout out to Vinepair co-founders Josh Mallon and Adam Teeter for making all of this possible. 